Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we are joined by Erin Kinsey. Now, her name exploded in 2021, thanks to going viral on TikTok. But that is only the tip of the iceberg. Underneath the water, there is a 10-year journey that began at the age of 11 when she knew that music was going to be her career. Now, right after high school, basically the day after graduation at the age of 17, she moved to Nashville and she has been working hard to create a career ever since. She is only 21 years old, but the success she has found is amazing. She is a multi-instrumentalist. She knows seven instruments very well. She can play a whole song all by herself, playing all the instruments. It's a very cool story and one we were excited to learn more about. So please enjoy our conversation with Erin Kinsey. Growing up within your family, what did music mean? Like back when you were five, six, seven, were your parents an extended family musical at all? You know, my parents weren't and my extended family wasn't. However, music was always going on in our house. We watched American Idol, The Voice. We were very like surrounded by music, even though my parents didn't sing or play or write. Um, And there was always, always music going on in the cars and in the kitchen. And I think just recently I realized how surrounded I was by music, even though I didn't have parents that were in the industry of any kind. And do you remember a time before 11 where you felt that pull of music? I was always singing around the house and music was always just such a constant for me and my family. So I don't know if there was ever a moment until I was 11 where I realized I think I like, you know, singing and playing and learning guitar more than the average person. Um, But I never really went through a time without it. And I can never imagine not having it as a crucial part. I mean, on the way to every sports game, during the sports events, I mean, everything we did had music tied in in some way. And um, I think I was lucky to have parents that loved music and that got passed down. Um, And yeah, I don't know if there was a moment before 11, but I never had an opportunity where I wasn't surrounded by it. And growing up in Texas, was it a lot of country music that you were surrounded by? So my mom only played Christian music in the car and my dad only played country music in the car. So it depended what, depended what car I was in. Um, but yeah, my dad listened to a lot, a lot of country radio, whether it was the local stations or whether it was then switched to XM on the highway. And I mean, he still only listens to the highway. He uh, just loves it. And I mean, me too. I listen to it a ton as well. But yeah, it was a ton of country music. And I think um, especially when you have younger kids, I think uh, you feel safer putting on country music than maybe <laughs> pop music because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's really fun and really energetic and stuff, but I think my parents felt more comfortable putting Luke Bryan on. <laughs> and so yeah. what was it at 11? Was there a moment in time where something clicked within you that, holy cow, this is what I want to do? Yeah. So I played piano in my uh, like preschool and had a piano teacher my whole childhood. And I don't know if I ever really connected with piano until way later. 
Um, but I wanted to quit piano. I was, my uh, teacher was making me learn like Beethoven and things like that. And my little hands, I mean, in my brain, I was like, I don't want to do this. I want to learn Taylor Swift. And, um, I remember my parents always said that I, that my teachers would tell them that I picked up on music things really quick. And so they told me I could quit piano if I picked up something else and me being the huge Taylor Swift fan I was and still am, but especially in 2011, (laughs) um, (laughs) I asked for a guitar for Christmas and that year I, um, I remember getting that guitar and being just so determined to learn a song and, um, my parents, I, my favorite color is still blue, but especially back then, I think at that age, you either love something or hate it. And I love the color blue. Right. (laughs) they got me a blue acoustic guitar and it was actually a 12 string which if you know anything about guitars like that's a lot more difficult to learn on yeah Um, now it's been a big blessing because it you know when you dive off the deep end anything else is a little easier but um I remember learning songs on the guitar and then learning how to sing and play at the same time and I think once I could do that and then that translated into writing my own songs. It, I kind of caught that bug that I couldn't get rid of. And I just looked forward to it all the time. It was the first thing that I had been involved in, whether it was sports or, you know, clubs or even friends that I could never get enough of. And um, I knew that was special even at, you know, 11, 12 years old. I knew that wasn't normal. And I knew that most things I got sick of eventually, but I never got sick of music. And now that was a blue guitar. Was there also a pink guitar that your grandpa got for you at some point along the way? Yes. So I got that guitar. It might've been a couple months before that, or maybe even the same year for Christmas. Cause I made this guitar thing. I was like, I need a guitar. Um, But he got me one from Walmart. And I remember it was like in the I don't know if it was like the Taylor Swift line or whatever, but it was really, really pretty guitar. And um, I remember I learned on that. And I remember being very thankful for that guitar because the 12 string was very difficult to play. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I also learned a lot on that guitar as well. That's right. And it's incredible how many instruments you know. And it's also incredible that a lot of the times, like I mentioned in articles, they kind of skip past it. It's like, she knows seven instruments and then they go on to the next thing. It's like, what? That is incredible. So you, you, you know, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, piano, banjo, mandolin, bass, and drums. And you have cover songs that you have posted where you are playing every instrument. So that, this isn't just that you can sort of pick them up and sort of play them this is like you're fluent in every instrument and so what period of time did that all happen like did you just pick them up really quickly you know I started learning other instruments when I was in uh probably the beginning of high school I guess technically middle school um and I think I just had so much time on my hands and it was the thing where I just kept wanting to learn more I could never get enough and then I also paired that with learning that a lot of the theory can translate onto other instruments so I kind of just wanted to see what I could figure out and so I um I translated from guitar and then started learning electric guitar, like soloing. And I learned a lot of classic rock stuff because that was what my guitar teacher taught me and um, a lot of stuff like that. And then once I knew that, I could translate that to bass and mandolin and banjo, all those different theories that switched over, circled back around to piano um, and picked that back up, which was great because I, you know, learned a lot of theory 
Um, and they could implement, you know, the artist side of it, which was really cool. And then I was in the drum line in high school and I was in it for two years and I learned so, so much about rhythms and so many things that, you know, I think it really has impacted the way I write and the way I perform and the way I play just everything. Um, but also learned drum kit from that. That's awesome. And how did that help you in your songwriting as you learned the different instruments? So much, you know, um, especially between like guitar and piano. I mean, the rhythmic parts for melodies and coming up with different guitar things from the drums and implemented a lot. Um, but being able to write on piano or being able to write on guitar, I feel like it just opens a whole new world to a whole different area of songs and a bunch of different feelings just being on a different instrument. So being able to walk in a write, and especially over Zoom, I wrote a lot more on piano than I normally was able to during the pandemic just oh, because okay. I had my keyboard right under my uh computer. So normally I don't, you know, it's a lot easier to bring a guitar along somewhere than a keyboard. Right. And um just being able to open up that whole new world of like a new sound and a new feel, it's really been able to, you know, allow me to create a range of songs that I've written that I'm really proud of. That's awesome. And you have an artist like Lindsay L who has really taken control of that guitar and the artist side as well. So is that something you aspire to, to be a lead guitarist and be ripping on stage while you're performing? Of course. And, you know, I implement that now in a lot of my live shows, doing a few solos here and there. And it's really fun to just kind of throw it in. And um, I mean, along with everything else, but it's been so much fun, especially in the live shows where I feel like that comes through, which I feel like it's probably now why, um, you know, in interviews or whatever, I don't normally get to talk about it a ton because I'm not able to do a ton of live shows right now. We're still getting back in the swing of things. Yeah. And uh, I'm just now, you know, this year putting out music. But um, hopefully once I'm able to do a lot more live shows, I implement that a ton. I'll pick up the banjo for a song or a mandolin for a song. And it really, you know, I just have a blast with it. I hope people in the audience love it too. But I just have so much fun being able to switch it up and just have so much fun with it. That is awesome. And now your journey, you talk about 11 or 12, really the bug hitting you. And then at 13, you started playing the Texas Opry circuit. Now talk about that and sort of how you developed within that and how that helped you grow as an artist during that time. Absolutely. You know, I was lucky to have parents that would drive me to wherever, you know, my show was that weekend. And it was really cool to be able to go through the motions of the first shows of, you know, forgetting a guitar pick or, you know, forgetting the words or the little things that you go through, but in such a safe environment with people who are just so incredibly supportive and were there from the beginning. So it was really awesome to be able to be surrounded by such loving and kind people and not be truly in the whole industry yet, not jumping quiet off the deep end. Um, but it really just allowed me to grow in so many ways and just getting on stage, getting used to that, getting comfortable with that and learning all the things that came with that. I mean, it's a real big blessing that I'm just thankful for. Along this journey, being so artistic and being able to pick up all those instruments and the singing, and then having a family who doesn't necessarily have that skill, like, do you know where you get it from? you know, there's, there's rumors we've thought about it. And, um, I think like generations back, there's been some people who have taken an interest in music, but no one quite the way that I did. And I, again, I don't know if it was, you know, what exactly the right combination was that led to this happening, but I think, um, 
I mean, everybody in my music or in my family always has music going, whether it's on the TV, whether it's on the radio, whether it's off of their phone. And even my sister, I have a 16 year old younger sister. She always has music playing always, whether it's in the car, she just got a car or whether she, uh, you know, is just getting ready in her room. And that pattern repeats through everybody in my family. So I, I wish I could pinpoint it better. And I'm sure if I put in the time and the effort, I could probably go back far enough and figure it out. But everyone's just had such a love of music. I, I think eventually somebody would have fallen into it. <laughs> and I'm like, it's me. <laughs> and so at 13, when you went on the circuit, did you know at that point that you wanted music to be a career for you? Or did that come after a few years of doing that? You know, I think when I started in that circuit, it's kind of when I realized that that was an option, that you could do that, and that there were many levels at which you could do it. Um, so I think once I realized, you know, you can make it not being in Nashville, you can do a lot of different ways. I think that's when I decided I'm going to be in music. I don't know what that means yet. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the timeline looks like, but I don't think there's any other option for me in life. And I just wanted to be a part of it no matter how I could. So, I mean, and still today I'll play anywhere I get a chance to play. And I just, I just want to do the music thing, whatever that means, wherever it is. All right. With anybody, I'll, you know, do whatever, just because you, I love the craft and and so um, I think at that point, you know, the whole getting ready for the show and practicing and figuring out what I was going to play and then playing, that was the thing I fell in love with. So, yeah, I think at that age, that probably is when I decided there was no other option. But before that, I just knew I loved it. Right. And as for Nashville, you grew up in small town, Texas. I think Nashville was what, a nine hour drive? away yeah. for you. And so when was the first time that you went there and was it like an exploratory thing as how can I make this a home for my career? Or did you just go on like a family vacation at first? So the first time we came to Nashville, we actually went to Dollywood and oh, okay. um, it, it was definitely a family vacation. We went to the Grand Old Opry. We uh, did, you know, the Hall of Fame. We did all the things. But one thing I did do is I had a voice lesson here. And I have been taking from a guy named Brett Manning, who is, and his associates who are here in Nashville. And um, I'd been taking lessons on Skype. And so I came in and I was actually taking with one of his associates, Shelby Rollins. And I remember I'd been taking from her for like a year and um, only on Zoom. And I remember being so nervous to meet her because I was, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 and um, just made that first trip up. And I just loved it. I love being surrounded by music even more than I was. And just there's always people playing and always people singing. And I just remember being so mesmerized by it. And then also being mesmerized by going to a place like Dollywood where there are, you know, the sky truly is the limit. I mean, you could end up having a whole amusement park. So (laughs) it was cool. And it was just a trip I'll never forget for sure. But I went, you know, then I think I might, I was either 12 or 13. And then um, by the time I was in high school, I was coming up to Nashville once a month and I was missing so much school. So much school was missed. I didn't miss any homework. I made all A's. <laughs> out of that. Um, I graduated a year early and I ended up moving um, the day after my high school graduation. Yeah. And before that, I saw a post on your Instagram from February of 2016 and you were playing at Love and War in Texas. Oh, yeah. And I was wondering how close that was to your first show of playing out. Like, when did you sort of leave the Opry circuit and start to play out in restaurants and bars and that sort of thing? 
You know, I would have to really get like a timeline out and figure all that out. And I really probably should, (laughs) Um, but that was probably one of my first few times doing that. I mean, I remember I had a band and we came in and we rehearsed and practiced. I think even when I was doing the circuits, I would do some little things here and there, even at Love and War and um, all that. But I should figure out what my first show at Love and War was because that'd be really cool. I played there probably 10 times while oh, really? I was in Texas. And it was kind of my go-to spot because, you know, for a lot of bars and things like that, you have to be 21. And I was, you know. Yeah. 14, 15, 16. <laughs> so um, I was nowhere close to 21. And uh, yeah, but we there are some places that were technically restaurants that we could play at. And man, we had a blast. I made so many memories there and learned so much. That was my first show I ever played um, that I had multiple instruments involved in it. And I remember being so nervous for that show and thinking, there's no way this is going to go over good. And um, I remember that it was just it was just a blast to fit in 90 minutes, as many songs and as many instruments as we could. And at that point, were you playing a lot of covers or were you writing enough that you did have a good chunk of original material that you were playing? You know, it was probably half and half. I mean, I've written over 500 songs at this point, probably more now. And and most of them should never, ever see the light of day. <laughs> um, and even back then, I really hope those songs don't see the light of day anytime soon, at least. Um, but yeah, I was writing a lot and I just had a lot of things I wanted to say. And more than that, when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, um, a lot of the songs on the radio, especially on country radio, were about like drinking or relationships or whatever like that. And my parents, yeah. uh, you know, didn't want me to sing about drinking. So I eliminated a lot of things. Um, but I also just had a lot of things I wanted to say and a lot of songs I was really excited about. And I was figuring out the craft and, you know, figuring out what to do. But man, I really, really loved, you know, performing a song for the first time and getting the crowd's reaction. I mean, I remember so love and war was probably a 45 minute drive from my hometown and so many of my friends and family would drive out to go support me and it was just so so much fun and when you were songwriting back then was it sort of fictional events that you were pulling from or was it more like a diary that you were pulling from your very personal experiences to write yeah you know probably about half and half because I was writing about a lot of things that I hoped would happen or I wanted to happen or hope didn't happen <laughs> or I saw in movies and TV shows. But also, I mean, and even though some of those experiences are, you know, to a smaller scale, I mean, man, the things you feel in middle school and high school are really real. And there's a lot of things that you feel for the first time in those things, whether it's, you know, being alone on something or, you know, liking somebody for the first time, there's a lot of really strong feelings that you go through for the very first time. Um, And I was lucky to be able to go through a lot of those feelings while having an outlet to, you know, go through those emotions and figure those things out with, you know, writing. So um, yeah, I had, I mean, I had things to write about, but I definitely, in the last few years, I feel like I've really been able to hone in on me and things I've been through and be a lot more personal to myself and my story. Right. And your move to Nashville. So you graduate a year early. So it is in 2018. I graduated. 2018. Okay. So you're 18 years old. Was it basically the day after graduation that you moved? Yeah. When I was even 17 at that time. So I, uh, I remember I packed the U-Haul all day 
And then I took a shower, walked to the stage, and then woke up the next morning at like 6 a.m. and drove with my, my cousin was in town for my graduation. And her and me, my mom and my grandma drove <laughs> up here and with all my stuff and my dog. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been here and obviously I go home a lot more than I said I would. <laughs> and um, I get to see my family a good bit, which is a really big blessing, especially over these last uh, couple years. But man, it I've got out of there quick. <laughs> I was excited. Wow. So did, was it just you? Did you have any family members move with you? I did not have any family move, members move with me. I had my manager move with me because um, she was based out of Texas and she oh, okay. moved with me. And uh, so I wasn't completely alone because there's so many like adult things I had to learn that I had never had to learn before. Yeah. And I mean, even I learned some lessons real quick, but um, in the hard way, but I, uh, it was good having somebody, but I mean, all my family was back in Texas and especially just cause my sister, I mean, at that time, what was she, she was 13 or something. So she was, you know, going through the thick of school and her passions and figuring things out too. So I was glad that my parents were able to stay with her and not like, you know, move her whole life across the country. Um, but we were able to figure out a way to make it work, which was just a blessing. Wow. And so after, since 11, 12 of knowing you wanted to do this as a career. And then 17, 18, you get to Nashville to do this as a career. Was yeah. there a shock there of it maybe not being what you thought it would be or being different or any of those feelings when you actually finally got to Nashville? You know, if I'm really honest, and even now I have such tunnel vision through it. Like I never... I've seen this as being like my career for so long that there's never been a part where I'm like, Oh man, like what if it doesn't work out or any of that? I, there's just no other option. And I've, I mean, call it naive, whatever. It's probably not the smart way to be, but I mean, <laughs> I just, there's nothing else that I would want to be doing. So um, I remember I got here and I just kind of kept my head down and wrote a ton, tried to play anywhere I could meet as many people as I could. And, um, I took some online classes through Nashville state community college to keep my mom happy. <laughs> and I took them online. I, you know, went in and took my test. I did the thing, but, um, I, I remember I just, there was nothing, there was nothing else. And I would have done whatever it took to be able to be here and be doing this. And, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, there were little things like it was colder than I thought it would be. <laughs> it was uh, colder, but not as much snow as I hoped there would be. But it's weird how that works. But um, yeah, besides that, I think I think I was just so excited to be here. I would take whatever I got. <laughs> and your manager, was that Amy Fish? Yep. How many years had she been with you before you made the official move to Nashville? So I started working with Amy when I was 15. Oh, okay. And uh, the first thing that I did with her is we went over to London for the C2C festival right. and it was really fun. It was such an amazing experience. I think about so often. It was such a cool just trip. I had never been outside of the country. It was so many things for me. Um, but we did that. And then, uh, she helped me go through school, traveled up with me to Nashville when I was missing school. <laughs> um, and just really helped me get to, you know, where I am. And I think having that support system was, you know, crucial. And I mean, aside from all of the emotional aspects of it, I don't think my parents would have been okay with me moving if I would have moved alone. And right. Lord knows I didn't want to go to college. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think it was crucial for a whole lot of reasons, but um, absolutely thankful. Wow. And Victoria Shaw, who is basically a legend in Nashville, when did you first start working with her and connecting with her? 
Yeah, I met her when I was 16, I think. And I, you know, I was only coming up ever so often. And I, you know, started working with her every now and then. And then uh, really ended up writing some songs I'm really proud of with her and becoming a friend of hers. And it's been cool that now, you know, I'll be a guest on her Bluebird show or whatever, like I was last week and being able to, you know, I've come such a long way with her and grown so much in front of her and with her. Um, so yeah, Victoria has just been, been a huge supporter of mine. Very, very, very helpful and important. And so how important are those friendships within this industry and just helping you navigate it and especially the business side and being able to navigate that as you go along? For sure. I mean, friendships in general are really, really important, especially in an industry that is so just the waves of up, up and down and it's the most exciting of times. And then it's sometimes there's nothing going on and having friends that can push you through that. And then also be excited with you when excited things are happening. I mean, it's just so crucial. And then obviously the business part, I mean, me moving here at 17, I had never done anything I was about to do. I hadn't seen a lot of the rooms I was going to step in. I hadn't, you know, performed a lot of places. I hadn't, I mean, I was about to do a lot of things for the first time. So any advice I could get, and I mean, everybody here, it really is such a tight knit community and everyone's just so sweet and helpful. And I don't know, I guess that might've been something that didn't, I didn't expect is for everybody to be so kind and helpful to just anyone. And I, I don't know if I expected it to be more competitive or what, but it really is just such a community and um, everyone I've been able to meet and just help me. It's just been such, I mean, such, such a blessing. It's been so, so amazing. And how long did it take for you to sort of become comfortable and have that feeling that the move to Nashville was the right thing to do and your career was on the right path? Did that take some time after moving there to really build up those feelings of positivity that yes, this was the right choice? I mean, for sure. I mean, I wanted to be here so bad. And I would have, again, like I said, I would have done whatever to make it work. Whatever made it the right decision, I would have done. But um, I think there were definitely certain points where I felt like I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And um, one of those being when a song I wrote with Victoria um, got cut by Dolly Parton and Sarah Evans, Monica, Jordan Sparks, and Rita Wilson, um, which was for breast cancer awareness. And I think that was, which that happened just last year but I think that was one of the first you know things that happened where no matter what kind of thoughts had been going through my brain or what I'd been thinking about it really made clear that first of all just how important music is and how helpful you know it can be to people I mean the song was about being there and giving hope to somebody who's going through a hard time and during that was the pandemic and there were a lot of people where you know with the rules in place to keep people safe um, you couldn't be with people going through breast cancer treatment in the hospital with them. Right. So watching this song take that spot and, you know, be there for people and be their comfort. It really reminded me how important music is. And it's not just a fun thing in the car. It really changes lives and saves lives. And um, that was probably my first moment where I thought, you know, I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And are you able to sort of take in the full circle moments and the fact that your first trip to Nashville, you went to Dollywood, and now you have a song that Dolly is singing on. Are you able to sort of internalize those full circle moments when they happen? Man, I don't know if I had ever put that together until you just said that, to be honest. And that's so wild. And 
the, my whole career, especially since I moved, has been such a whirlwind. And there have been so many things happening so quick. And just my life has changed so fast. And it's, it's really important, I think, to try to take those times to take a deep breath and notice things like that. Like, I can't believe I haven't, but that's also so freaking cool. And I appreciate you pointing it out. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's crazy how fast everything can change and how quick, you know, your dreams that you thought were years and years and years away from ever being true or things that you never thought of because what was the point? They were never going to happen are all of a sudden your reality. And it's just, it's so crazy. And one of those dreams and another full circle moment is the fact that you played on the Opry circuit. You went to the Opry on that first vacation. (laughs) And then with this song with Pink, you were able to perform it with some special guests on the Opry stage. Now, what was that like going into that? Did you have the knowledge of what the Opry meant at that point? Was it like the biggest deal in the world? Absolutely. And that was one thing. I mean, when we came in town for my first trip, we did the tour, we did the whole thing. So I knew all about everybody who had stepped in that circle and who had, you know, had their entire lives changed on that stage. And just anybody who's left an impression on country music has been on that stage at some point, which is just so crazy to think about. Um, But yeah, I was, I was so nervous and I was so scared, but I was also so incredibly excited. And I don't think there could have been a more perfect song and moment for my first time on that stage to be for it to be for something so much bigger than just me. And for it to be a song that reminded me again, which is how important music is. And um, also being able to be up there with Victoria and then Rita Wilson, who's a breast cancer survivor was just, just amazing. Walk me through as you're getting ready backstage and as you're sort of walking to behind the curtain, what is going through your mind? What emotions are within you at that point? You know, for a while, I just kept thinking, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. And then I think it was Victoria who came over to me and it was either her or Amy or someone. And I, again, I don't remember exactly who said it, but the words really meant a lot to me. And it was just that, you know, a three minute song goes by really quick soak up every moment because you're not going to be up there for forever and you want to remember it. And so I remember taking that to heart. And when I was on that stage and luckily because it was a, um, you know, three of us up there singing, there were some times where I wasn't singing and I was able to just look around. And I think normally when you get up on that stage, you're singing the whole time you're performing. You're not normally doing a group thing. And I think people might normally have to get up there and just perform the whole time. And then you're swept off for the next person to come up. Right. Um, but being able to have, you know, a whole verse where I didn't have to sing and I could just look around and just stand there and see my parents that came in from town and from Texas drove up the night before and, you know, friends and family and all these just amazing people who had supported me and seeing them in the crowd while I was up on this stage. That is just so, you know, such a statement and so many things. It was really cool to be able to soak that up. And um, it's definitely an I, I will never, ever forget. That is awesome. And now, with your music in late 2018 and throughout 2019, you teased a bunch of music. Now, yep. what has happened with that? Is that still music that you're planning to be releasing? Or is that sort of music that is now in the past and is going to be left there? You know, that's a really, really good question. I've, you know, written a lot of songs over the last couple of years and I've been able to luckily grow as a writer, but then there are, I mean, 400 songs. I'm trying to figure out what the heck to do with them. Um, But 
you know, I think Taylor Swift has proven that any song can be put out at any time. Right. And I think it's, I think it's a really cool concept what she's done. And I hope that one day, whether it's me singing it or somebody else, that a lot of those songs will see the light of day because there's still things I was really proud of and really connected with at those times, especially. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I thought about taking some of those posts down and um, having them truly be in the past, but I think, I think leaving those songs up and even if I never put them out on the platforms, just having them there because people connected with those one minute versions of originals and covers. And it's really cool to see even people still today scrolling down and commenting on them and seeing them. Um, it's also just such a great reminder of just how, how much everything has changed and how quick, but yeah, I don't know if they'll ever be released officially. I would hope so one day, but um, for now, they're living on the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a lot of artists I talk to, they have that album that they released before everything took off, and it's never going to be like released again. It's lost in the ethers of the internet. But yeah. it, it seems that that is important to have that music that doesn't necessarily live on because you are finding yourself in that moment. And it helps yeah. you to find yourself and who you want to be. And then it's left there and you can move on to maybe that wasn't me, but here's what I want to be. So for you, that music back in 2018, 2019, did that help you do that in working through the process of who you wanted to be as an artist? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, especially in the last couple of months, the things that have come to light about truly how every song, every day, every decision really truly leads you to where you are now. Um, but especially with those songs, I think that was my first experience with the releasing music into the world and just kind of seeing what happened. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, luckily I was shown a lot of luck and a lot of support, but I think it also kind of helped me to think truly deep down, you know, I love it. And I, if I, the only person who's going to fight for it all the time is me. And it kind of helped me become really proud of my music and be able to want to show it off and um, see what people thought and also get responses and also see how people connected with it. It made it a lot more real before I had a Spotify account and an Apple music account and all those things. It just is absolutely crucial for me to do that. Even if those full, full songs are never out. And now your new music, let's talk yeah. about that over the past yeah. <laughs> six months or so. I mean, so you go viral on social media and you release your songs and sort of every release is getting bigger and bigger. You start with like a hundred thousand listens and now you're like releasing songs and, and jumping up to a million. And it's just crazy. The numbers that you have been able to compile just this year. Now, what has that been like to, have this basically 10 year journey and then have it just explode so quickly. Was it a little overwhelming off the start? Oh, it was very overwhelming. I mean, cause honestly I had no plans of releasing music this year. I mean, I had, you know, the loose idea of maybe I would, I don't know. I never had. And then all of a sudden I had people asking me to release a song. And the first song I ever released was drunk too. And it's definitely a sappy, you know, sad, sad girl moment. Um, but the thing that honestly pushed me to release it 
of course I love the song. Of course I was, it was one I was proud of, but I saw people, you know, were saying that they needed it and saying that they were going through a tough time that was similar and it was helping them. And, you know, I just kind of thought, you know, who am I to stand in the way of them having this song that's getting through them through a tough time. I mean, that's why I do what I do. So I guess I'm releasing music. So I, you know, got a Spotify account, like created a profile, wrote a bio, like did all this stuff and um, released that song. And then the next song I put out, Just Drive, is the one that uh, has absolutely changed my life. That's what I've learned what true viral means. I mean, I think uh, Drunk 2 got half a million views on one video and I just thought I had made it. And then um, with Just Drive, I learned that videos can get multiple millions of views and um, it can go viral more than one time. And uh, it's really, truly changed my life in so, so many ways. Um, but it's been so cool to just be able to continue to release music that I'm proud of and that I love. And it's really not all that different than what I did on Instagram. It's just on more platforms and um, just supporting it. And it's been a whirlwind. I mean, to think that, you know, a year ago, I had zero plans of putting out music. And now I have, you know, like 800,000 monthly listeners on Spotify and there's millions of streams on a song of mine and there's people supporting me all the time. It's really, really been a 180 because typically it was just me and my family trying to convince people, you know, to listen to a song. And now there's people that it was their top listened to song of this year. Um, So it's been an absolute 180 of a shift but um it's also been everything I've been looking forward to since I was 11 it's the things I was hoping for one day and it's just one of those things how you know these dreams that you think are years and years and years away can happen within six months it's insane and within this industry of going viral these days I want to talk about that because I was talking Ah. to George Burge uh last week and he had his song beer beer truck truck explode and ever sort of the narrative that's been built around him is that he's this new artist with this song that exploded on tiktok but in reality he had a band waterloo revival which did very well for many years before that but no one no one talks about that and same with you you explode on tiktok and all of a sudden you're this new artist this social media influencer but you've yeah. had this long career. So how do you navigate that as an artist in wanting to be a true artist and not necessarily get stuck in this social media game? You know, I think social media is absolutely important. It's so, so helpful, has the ability to completely change your life. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's truly about songs. And even the reason that people related to Just Drive or even beer, beer, truck, truck, it's because they related to that song on some type of level, you know? And um, I think, you know, I don't know exactly, I could never paint you what the next 10 years I would hope would look like, but I think that, you know, I have songs that I'm just proud of and Just Drive existed and had the MP3 finalized before I ever posted it on TikTok. I didn't know it was going to do that. The song was still there. And even my new song I have and the MP3 was there long before it was ever posted. And so I have, you know, hundreds of songs like that that I haven't posted yet that I don't know what will happen with them, but I can just hope that people relate. And at the end of the day, things are going viral because that many people relate to a song. And I think that's no different than people hearing it on the radio or hearing it live. It's just people relating to music. And um, I think any avenue to be able to do that is helpful, especially in a time where concerts and shows are kind of weird and we're trying to figure it out. Um, But yeah, I think the narrative, you know, it's the overnight sensation thing. That's how it's all, it comes across sometimes, but 
you know, I know, and my family knows, and, you know, the people close to me know the hours and, you know, the time that it's taken to get where I am. And I'm just hoping that that'll be something that shows over the next few years. That's awesome. And your new music, you've been writing with Michael August and Josh Ronan. Now is a lot of the music that you're going to be releasing written with them? You know, I've, I've written with so many people in Nashville over the years, and I've gotten so many songs that I love in a pocket here and there. And I think they've been some of the ones that consistently, I love writing with them. I'm actually going to see Josh Ronan to record after this, but um, he's produced some stuff up for me. And I definitely have more music that I've written with them that I'm excited to put out into the world. But I also have stuff that I've written with other people as well. So um, they're definitely a crew that I love to work with and I hope to way more and I have stuff I love from them. But I think I'll be releasing um, just a lot of things that I've written over the years that I'm just proud of. And along the way, before we go, I wanted to talk about your charity work because being so young, I find it really awesome that you're already using your voice to create good. And St. Jude's and the Pedigree Foundation are two that really come up for you on your social media a lot. So just talk about that and, and why you want to be involved and be able to use your voice in this positive way. Absolutely. I mean, with St. Jude and Pedigree specifically, I have a dog that I love so, 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 so much. So Pedigree kind of speaks for itself there. With St. Jude, I actually had um, a kindergartner in my school when I was in elementary school who fought, had a battle um, with brain cancer. And that just always kind of left an impact on me going, I mean, we were in a fairly small school. We knew the family. I was friends with the older brother. And um, it's always been something that I really just really respected what St. Jude does, how they don't make anybody pay for anything while they're there and just let the family truly focus on the kids. It's really, I mean, just so important for those families to have that kind of support and help during a time like that, where they can just focus on the kid and um, focus on the treatments and anything they can be doing on the emotional side and the financial side can just be covered. Um, So St. Jude, I just think is doing such amazing things. And I love supporting you know, both of those foundations, also Susan G. Komen through Pink, I've been able to meet the people over there and learn about what they're doing. And more than anything, I think uh, something that's always been big on my heart is, you know, I love music and I love my songs about, you know, my relationship or my whatever, my bad days or my good days, whatever it is. But um, I think more than anything, I would hope that my music would be able to do something much bigger than just support me and, you know, get my name out there. There's a lot of more things that I think are important than my name. And um, if any of my music or platforms or anything can help to further those things, I absolutely would love, love to play a part in that in any way I can. So um, I think that's been something I was raised on for sure is to, you know, do something bigger than just for yourself. And uh, I've been really lucky to be able to have opportunities to do that even from the beginning. That's awesome. And you are only 21. You have a lot of life, a lot of career left to go. And so with the way the last six months have gone, the way it's exploded, is it important to almost take a step back and not get too overly excited and realize that not every song, not every moment in this career is going to be like the last six months and really be able to move forward in a positive way. For sure. And I think 
You know, it is, a, like I said earlier, it's a, a career and an industry with real high highs and real low lows. Um, and then also a lot of quiet where there's just not a lot going on necessarily good or bad. Right. And um, finding joy in all of that is just so important. And I mean, and that's life in general, just there's, you know, you only get to live once you only have one, you know, relationship with people and you want to make the most of that, that you absolutely can. And so, um, yeah, I think it's setting expectations that, you know, the last six months might not be a repeat, but also hoping that it will be and doing everything I can, um, and just putting the work in to make it happen again. But also knowing that if it doesn't, as long as I'm putting out music and content that I'm really proud of and getting to relate to people, what more could I want to be doing? Um, and I think that's what I try to keep my eyes focused on. Thank you once again so much for listening. And thank you to Erin for stopping by and sharing her story. Please be sure to check out all of her music wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. And please be sure to join us each and every week with new and exciting interviews with your favorite country music artists. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm-hmm.